Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life, the first of two episodes where I find myself stuck on a desert island for the summer, taking on the challenge of putting together just eight photo books for company, the complete works of William Shakespeare, the Bible, and just one luxury item. In this episode, I'll be revealing four of those photo books that I just cannot live without. I hope you enjoyed the music, by the way, that began this episode, a burst of nostalgia for those children of the 1970s who remember being off school in the summer holidays and having to watch Robinson Crusoe every morning in very grainy black and white. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? And let's talk about some photo books. One of the first books that I bought when I started to look at photography is one of the books which has stayed with me the longest. I think that's often the case when we buy photo books. We develop an emotional as well as a kind of physical relationship with the book. Anyway, what is the book I hear you cry? Well, it's On the Other Side of the Camera by Arnold Crane, published in 1995 by Koneman UK Limited, and it consists of 320 pages. From the 50s through the 1990s, Arnold Crane enjoyed unparalleled access to the most famous photographers of our time and used his camera to capture the giants of 20th century photography. Man Ray, Walker Evans, Ansel Adams, Bill Brandt, Brassai, Edward Steichen and many others. He met them and he photographed them in the very intimate settings of their homes, streets and studios over a period of more than four decades. Crane created this body of work, which I think has huge historic importance. Whether sitting in a car with Paul Strand, catching Imogen Cunningham in her kitchen or accompanying Ansel Adams on a Point Lobos shoot, Crane always managed to produce sensitive photographs, photographs, I should say, that both revealed and revered his subjects. He worked as a photographer from a boy and documented incidents such as major crime scenes, earthquakes, fires and political events, work published in various US magazines. He temporarily stopped working as a photographer, but started again in 1983, inspired by a friendship with Man Ray of all people. First published in 1995, as I said, On the Other Side presents his collection of photographs with bios and comments which are really insightful for 24 of the greatest photographers of the 20th century, as I've said. And these include Man Ray and Ansel Adams, I should say, and Paul Strand and Walker Evans and 20 more. You get intimate looks at these people, how they lived and how they worked. We actually go inside their dark rooms, in their camera cupboards and so forth. And that, for me, was such an important insight into what photography was when I first started to look at it. 
Anyway, on the other side of the camera won the renowned Kodak Photo Book Award uh, in the year of its publication. And it was selected as one of, I should say, he was selected as one of 100 New York photographers uh, in a book of the same name in 2000. So although Arnold Crane may not be a photographer that you're aware of, he certainly was, uh, he had a successful kind of practice running there. Anyway, his work has been shown in many exhibitions in international galleries and museums, and they are part of collections of the Metropolitan Museum of New York, Museum of Modern Art in New York, and the Art Institute in Chicago. He regularly held seminars and lectures about photography, and he continued making photographs until the end of his life in 2014. Now, you can buy this book really cheaply secondhand. I can only imagine that when it was published, there was a belief that it was going to be a mega seller. Maybe it wasn't and a lot got remaindered and therefore there are a lot kicking around. I really recommend trying to pick up a copy of this book. It's really interesting always to me and we wouldn't run this podcast with the what does photography mean to you if it wasn't element where we hear directly from photographers and it gives us a belief, I think, that we could do that too. So anyway, first book that I need on my desert island whilst I'm here at the minute is by Arnold Crane. Oh no, just like in the shed on the island, it started to rain. Time to move indoors. Probably that's a good idea because we're going to look at our next book, which is Passage, a work record by Irving Penn, first published in 1991 by Random House, and that consists of 300 pages. I'd say it was the definitive retrospective of America's preeminent photographer. For me, Penn could do everything and he could do everything brilliantly well. His influence is so dominant even today, particularly when we're talking about studio portrait photography. Anyway, this book reveals for the first time Penn's own view of his extraordinary and diverse career, and it's accompanied by his fascinating and insightful commentaries and examples of his portraits, still lives and fashion drawings. It's printed in 11 colours. It really is a beautiful book with 468 black and white and colour plates. He chose the work to go in the book when he was 74 years of age and therefore reflecting on a career that spanned more than half a century. As I said, I think he was one of the foremost photographers of our time. And he accompanies the pictures with his own recollections. For me, this book is a Bible of photography and for photographers. Don't think about it purely as being somebody who was a commissioned photographer who did work to get paid. That would be a very narrow perspective to take on Penn's work. I returned to this book and have returned to this book since first buying it again and again and again. I look at it for how he uses light, composition, the movement of the people he's photographing, the poses, the clarity, the graphic composition in his work. If you're not aware of pen, this is the book to save up for. 
I just took a quick look outside the window and it doesn't look as if the rain is uh, slowing up at all. Let's get on to the next book, shall we? Man Ray, Portraits, Paris, Hollywood, Paris by Clement Charoux, published in 2011 by Sherman Moselle, 316 pages. Now, I was talking about Penn there and his portrait work and how inspiring I find that. Well, I've got to say, when we're talking about Bibles, this for me is my Bible of portraiture. Artists, men of letters, actors and dancers were all met by Man Ray in his portrait studio in Paris. He was a photographer, a painter, an object artist, as we know. But he knew them all, from André Breton to Jean Cocteau, Coco Chanel to Dora Maar to Pablo Picasso. And during his time as a portrait photographer, he photographed thousands of people. His enormous archive with over 12,000 negatives are housed in the Centre Pompidou in Paris, which now, in a large-scale digitalisation campaign, have been curated and brought together. And one of the outcomes of that is this book, and it includes 500 of his portrait photographs. The publication of these archives was preceded by a lengthy procedure of identifying the negatives. Man Ray did not keep records of the customers who sat for him. And it brings an entire epoch to life in a unique manner. What I find so interesting about this work is that it is so of its time and yet it is so contemporary. And if you want to understand how to create strong um, emotive, graphic, connecting portraits with the simplest of equipment in the simplest of conditions, this is the book for you. It's arranged uh, in alphabetical order and provides some valuable biographical detail about each of the subjects, explaining their relationship to Man Ray. In a way, I think that these photographs are like the French counterpart to Auguste Sander's socio-typological work portraying the Germans of the 1920s and 30s. And I think it's very interesting as well because there is a real sense of Frenchness around Man Ray's work in the same way that there is a certain kind of Germanic documentation, I think, that fits with Auguste Sander's work. They're two very different approaches and yet they're both very similar. Similar. This is the photo book I spend time with in the winter in deep contemplation. I often look at just a few pages for some time with a whiskey in my hand. It's for me a form of photo meditation, so therefore perfect to have here on the island whilst I'm stuck in my hand built shed stroke hut trying to stay out of the rain. At last, the rain has stopped, the sun's come out, and I've come out onto the veranda. It seems appropriate, but in a way, slightly strange that the weather has acted in that way, because our next book is all about not seeing. It's a really interesting book, and I'm not sure if you'll be aware of it, because it's not put together by a photographer. It's put together by a collector and a curator, 
and a writer, which in a way, I suppose, is a bit of a link through some of the other books. Man Ray didn't put the Man Ray book together. Penn did put the, the Penn book together, and Crane obviously did his. But I do seem to be drawn to these books where people bring together work to create narrative. And this book is put together by somebody who, if you're not aware of, I really recommend you find out about. And you can go to his website, which I'll put a link to on the page where this uh, episode is posted at uh, unitednationsofphotography.com. Anyway, the book is The Unseen Eye, photographs from the unconscious by W.M. Hunt and William Ewing, are published in 2011 by Thames and Hudson, and it consists of uh, 320 pages. Now, W.M. Hunt, William Hunt, Bill Hunt, is a champion of photography, a collector, a curator and a consultant who lives and works in New York City. He was, in fact, originally an actor. But he's also now a teacher and a writer and a speaker on photography. And he says that photography changed his life. It gave him one. I like that approach. I met him once uh, when this book came out, actually, and we, we had a long chat about photography and about his relationship with it. He says that overwhelmingly now, photographs are good. People just make good photographs. But he says, that's not interesting to me. I'm interested in great photographs. Anyway, he spent more than four decades building a huge archive of pictures that he stores. Well, he did store over two apartments in New York. Uh, I know he's recently had a uh, sale at Sotheby's of a hundred of the images. I'm not sure how much he was he's bought since or how much he's selling. But anyway, he's exhibited around the world. There's other elements from the archive, and while simultaneously lecturing at New York School of Visual Arts. Uh, opening a gallery in Manhattan and authoring dozens of photographers' monographs. The book is wonderfully idiosyncratic and compelling. It's a collection of photographs assembled around a particular theme. As I was saying, that idea of the person bringing a narrative to a collection of images. In each image, the gaze of the subject is averted, the face obscured, or the eyes firmly closed. As I was saying, it seems so strange that the sun has come out and we're talking about this book. Anyway, the pictures present a catalogue of anti-portraiture. So almost kind of an antidote to the books I've been talking about so far. Characterised at first glance by what its subjects can conceal, not by what the camera reveals. As I said, he's been amassing work for decades and the collection and works included in this book include images by people such as Richard Avedon, Diane Arbus, Imogen Cunningham, William Klein, Robert Maplethorpe and Robert Frank, as well as works by lesser known artists and vernacular images also. His instinctive pursuit of striking images has resulted in a collection that manages to evoke a picture of humanity from birth to death. And there's a real, I suppose, emphasis on that idea of death. When I met Bill, we spoke about the image falling man and how he had uh, purchased a print of that. It's a particularly uh, controversial, uh, I think, image, obviously, but to own an image like that. Anyway, we'll move on back to the book. So 
They deal with nuances of wit, eroticism, memory, fear, grief and horror. And I said there's more than 350 of these, what I I think are very surreal images. And we would be thinking that the Man Ray book was filled with the surreal images. Actually, it isn't. The Man Ray book is really clean and concise and minimal in the way in which it creates his images. But Bill's brought together a real series of surreal images here, uh, which a lot of people will find unnerving, I think. But they're also kind of like watching a horror film. You don't want to look, but it, it, they kind of draw you in. The vernacular images definitely um, perform that task. So uh, Bill's brought this together in this narrative, as I was saying, but it's it's a highly personal monologue. He is intensely, uh, well, he is, I think, at heart, a collector of, of work. So all the way through, he offers his perceptive responses to these images. And that's a theme in all of the books that I've taken with me to this island. I like the idea of photographers or curators or people telling me, what was the situation behind that photograph? Why did you choose that? That context, that written context for me is really important. And if I'm just going to have eight books, I want to have something that not only that I can interpret, but I'd like interpretation suggested to me also. So, Bill, an obsessive collector, obsessed by photography, and it really is a book that I recommend you look out and see if you can afford it. It is one of the problems with photo books, and it's a bit difficult having them here on the island because I'm obviously trying to keep them dry. I'm trying to keep the sand out of the pages, and we've got a, a problem with humidity. But never mind. Next episode, we'll be looking at four more books that I've got with me here in the shed on a little shelf just above the desk I've made out of a few planks. I'm going to take care over the next week. I hope you do too. <laughs>